Hello and welcome to another episode of the SERS Group Podcast. I am JC. And I'm Barbara. And today we are talking about diet, nutrition, weight, everything to do with food. Way of eating. Answer and how it how it affects SERS. This is a tough one. This might even be slightly controversial. Ooh, controversy. (laughs) As always. We are not medical professionals. Please do not take what we say as medical advice. You should have a doctor for that. Uh, but we are here because we've read the SERS textbook. We've been carnivore for quite a long time. And we know lots of things about both things. And so we are bringing some of that knowledge to you now. But you should always go with what your SERS practitioner is telling you to do. 100%. I am not a medical prof- professional, not even a little bit. But I have been a carnivore for four years now. Mm-hmm. I did get a carnivore coaching certification through what used to be MeetRx and is now Rivero. Based on that, I was so interested in nutrition. I got a nutrition coaching certification through NASM. Um, I have coached a lot of people through carnivore, both in one-on-one and group settings. So I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm just saying I have a little bit more knowledge about this than any other diet yes and and also then i would say most people like safely at least 99.5 percent of people probably more i mean yeah, you're I'm really excited to who know who the 0.5 person is i don't know i don't even know i'm just like allowing for that because okay. maybe um uh, similarly i've been carnivore for three years uh and have dealt with um uh, a lot of my own GI issues. And that's kind of why I came to carnivore. And uh, I have coached quite a few people now through uh, doing carnivore as an elimination diet as part of their overall fitness and health uh, routine and goals. So I've gone through that, but I am not certified in any way for any of that fun stuff. I just tell people to do what works for them <laughs> and help them figure out what that is. But uh, But beyond that, I mean, yeah, we've We've really, uh, we've really gone through it with carnivore and SERS in conjunction with each other. And we've seen a lot of people in the SERS group struggle with how exactly to eat because there's some conflicting advice, there's some overlapping advice, and people aren't totally sure of what direction they really should be going. Yeah. So to give context for this conversation, I was carnivore for... A year and a half and then I started to display SERS symptoms and there was no amount of carnivore that was going to pull me out of this like extreme health crisis I was experiencing so my SERS triggered an autoimmune condition Um, I started losing mobility I was walking with a cane for a while I was blind in my right eye I had like severe GI distress there was just a lot and there was no amount of just eating meat that was going to pull me out of that. Something else was going on. Something else needed to be done. And being a part of the carnivore community, I was just hearing again and again, like people telling me to, you know, eat beef only as a way to further, you know, carnivore harder. And I, at that point, started developing histamine reactions to beef. So it just became very clear to me that carnivore wasn't 
the answer to the health issues that I was experiencing. And thank goodness, you know, I found out about SARS and was able to start treating it. Um, and definitely being mostly carnivore, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, um, throughout the whole process made that treatment a lot easier for me, I believe. Um, but by no means do I think carnivore is the answer. And by no means do I think carnivore is the right answer for everyone. Yeah. And I will add, um, JC, that you did not cut coffee. So clearly that was the reason that you got sick. Yeah, it must have been the coffee. You know, there was, there was, <laughs> guys, I'm being sarcastic in case you couldn't tell. Uh, continue, sorry. There was this one point where I was, I had a carnivore Facebook group and there was a member. He was like 400 plus pounds. He had a ton of different health issues. He had been trying carnivore for a good six months and he wasn't losing any weight. And I I kept telling him like, you need to keep digging deeper. There's a root cause problem here. Like if you're only eating meat and from what he was saying, it was like a reasonable amount of calories, like the amount of meat you would have to eat to sustain 450 pounds. Like that's, I don't know if that's possible for human consumption. Yeah. But he booked a coaching call with a really big carnivore influencer and they were telling him that he was stalled because he was still drinking coffee. And at that point, I kind of lost faith in carnivore influencers. The little faith I had remaining, it was hanging by a thread and it was just cut right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I love it when these doctors uh, like to give advice to people that, you know, though, just your own litmus test for whether or not an influencer knows their shit is if they say one thing works for everyone, they are wrong. It's just, I, I don't think that's true. I do, I've seen that it's not true. Like, I'll even say it, the shoemaker protocol might not work for everybody. I don't know. I it doesn't make sense that it would because we are all so bio-individual um, and, and things are always so different in everybody's situation. But if they're saying, oh, everybody just needs to eat only meat, if they cut out the coffee, oh, you're still eating butter, that's your problem. Like, come on, man. No. Yeah, and but it just keeps like narrowing down. It's like only eat beef, don't eat salt, don't drink coffee, only drink reverse osmosis water. Yeah. Like at some point. There's only so much carnivoring you can do. And then what? Yeah. Then then what? Exactly. And that's that's actually maybe one problem with with carnivoring harder is that even if you were successful, what are you masking by doing that? What symptoms your body was trying to tell you something mm. with the things that were going wrong? And you are now eliminating some of those uh, voices within your body. This is sounding schizophrenic. You're but... now managing those symptoms <laughs> with utilizing nutrition. Thank you, JC, for translating into normal humans. You know, it's like we're going back to ancient Greece and we have ethers inside of us. <laughs> oh, man. Bring back I'm just, the ethers. I'm just off the cliff on this one. Yeah, but but uh, some people, you know, there are there are stories of of people that found out later that they had SIRS, um, but they had been masking their symptoms for so long with carnivore that it actually did damage, potentially irreversible damage over time. Uh, and that's what, and not, again, not to be like fear mongery, but this is why 
good. I'm glad that your life is better, that you feel better on carnivore to some extent. But if you're still having some issues, like what is that actually hiding? What what uh, functions in your body are not doing what they should be doing as a result of actual root cause illness that needs to be addressed? Yes. So we're going to talk about carnivore more in this, but moving along to more like general concerns that people with SIRS have in terms of how they should be eating. I think the one we hear the providers, like the SIRS providers actually talk about is inflammation control through a low amylose diet. It's part of the adjunct therapies listed with the Shoemaker protocol is low amylose diet to control uh, MMP9 specifically. Um, It also helps with VEGF. But we hear them talk about low amylose and then low mold diets, obviously, because you don't want to be eating a ton of mold if you are sensitive to mold. Um, But what we don't hear them talk about specifically are these other considerations that a lot of people experiencing SIRS have, one of them being histamine reactions and mast cell activation syndrome. So many people who have SIRS develop these specific issues, and it's largely impacted by diet. You can eat a strawberry and have a histamine flare. So it's interesting to me that this isn't talked about more in the SIRS community, but that's one of the top considerations in my mind in terms of what you should be eating if you have SIRS. Right. And that's all the more reason for uh, going with some kind of elimination diet and and especially an elimination protocol. And what I mean by that is to start very low on the variety so that you get to this baseline of not reacting and then you systematically and slowly reintroduce things and pay attention to how you feel when you eat each of those different things so that you can stop eating the thing that's making you react. Um, and that that process is tedious and uh, difficult to do. It's not easy, but I think it's very much worth it, especially if you are in pain constantly, you're constantly reacting, getting flares, joint pain issues. I mean, it, it can really bring you down on a uh, for your daily activities. So it is important to tackle that and I agree I think it should be a more important aspect of treatment uh, for a lot of people. The next one is hypometabolism. So we know a lot of people with SIRS are hypometabolic which means that they don't uh, operate well within metabolism processes that require fat for fuel. We're going to talk about that more in the context of carnivore, but I don't hear providers talking about that. I don't hear providers talking about hypometabolism. Thankfully, my provider does and did with me, which was great. Uh, And that's the only reason I knew about it. But she told me that uh, for, for every, I want to say 26 units of energy that a normal person would produce, I am producing four. So if you have this chronic fatigue type, uh, is that if that's like one of your hallmark SIRS issues, hypometabolism may be at the root of that. Um, and it, it can also be uh, happening if if you tend towards the, I guess, the skinnier side, if that's the right word. Um, like if you if you don't generally struggle with the weight gain, uh, but you actually maybe have trouble, well, you have trouble gaining weight, uh, that might actually be part of uh, the overall picture of what that could look like. Mm, Sorry, I didn't mean to say they don't talk about hypometabolism. They don't talk about like what you should do diet-wise 
uh, to yes. address hypometabolism. Yeah. Yeah. The only advice I got there was maybe eat some carbs. Ooh, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you take the next one. Mm, yes. So GI issues. Uh, it really sucks when you're dealing with SIRS and one of the causes is GI issues, but that is also, you know, how you get your nutrition and how you get your energy and your body's like, nope, can't deal with that. And either flushes it out of your system way too fast or way too slow. So, uh, for me, I'm usually on the fast side, but, uh, that you is, so proud. I know <laughs> I am. Well, honestly, I'm much rather be on the fast side than the slow side. I've had my bouts of constipation and no thanks. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, so how I got into all of this was I went carnivore because of my GI issues. And in the process of going through that, uh, I was still not absorbing my food very well. And so I was told by multiple sources, influencers and medical providers in the space that I should take digestive enzymes. And that's common advice within the carnivore space. You're not used to digesting all of that protein and fat. So you probably need to like help your body out by taking those and eventually your body's going to level out and figure out its life. Well, if you have SIRS, it kind of doesn't do that figuring out part. Uh, so that is something to consider. And, and maybe for some people taking the digestive enzymes could help. Um, it actually didn't for me, really. I don't think I noticed any improvement when I was taking uh, enzymes versus not. And my root cause, of course, at the end of the day was SIRS. And I will fully admit to being one of the jerks who was giving you recommendations to treat your GI issues before we knew about SIRS. And I remember specifically telling you to try butyrate, which in retrospect was just mean of me because it smells like vomit. It really does smell like vomit. I still have that jar because I obviously didn't finish it. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I tried taking it and it just smells like actual puke. It, like the you open up the jar to take one out and it's, and then you have to wash your hands. Cause that smells like on your hands. It's so gross. It's weird. And you can kind of smell the butter in there too. Like kind of, so it almost ruins butter. It's, it's a terrible supplement, but I mean, maybe it's helpful for some people. I don't think it moved the needle for me though. If I remember okay, correctly. So context for people who are like, you're talking about vomit and butter in the same <laughs> sentence. Butyrate is a short chain fatty acid. The concentration of it is very high in butter. So butter is a great source of butyrate if you don't want to take a vomit pill, vomit powder, whatever it was. Um, but your your GI actually needs short chain fatty acids. And normally people know about, you know, creating short chain fatty acids from fiber. Um, and people very often say, well, don't you need fiber? Well, no, you need short chain fatty acids, butyrate, butter. That's Full, full full loop on that conversation for you guys. Yes. Thank you for that. Cause I didn't remember or know any of that. I just said, JC said to take this thing. I'll take it. So we talked about the providers talking about low amylose, low mold diets as the diet strategy for SIRS. I know some of the providers recommend keto. Some of the providers recommend plant-based, but kind of across the board, most of them recommend low amylose, low mold. And we talked about this when we did our carnivore episode, but when you're pairing diets like that, and if on top of that, they layer like an anti-inflammatory protocol, an AIP diet, some people might be familiar with, 
you then end up with this situation where you have to figure out what's safe in this diet and this diet and this diet and then like overlap the safeness from all three of those diets into a Venn diagram and then you can eat the stuff in the center and both Barbara and I are like no (laughs) that sounds too closely related to math (laughs) we're like fuck it carnivore that's basically how we came to this decision well carnivore fits all of the above I don't have to think about it I'll just eat steak and pork chops and eggs and be you know be on my way solid with my brain fog that's all I can handle it's funny because people will like email us before joining the group and they're like I'm not carnivore is that okay and Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I'll just leave with that. But also I, I always, it cracks me up because I tell them yes, but then I know when they go to the group and they ask about other diet strategies, there are so many carnivores in there. And like, if you have done carnivore and you like carnivore and it works for you, it's like, it's really easy to be really passionate about it. Cause it's like this really simple diet. You can eat bacon every day if you want. Like there's so much to love about it. That if they post about any other diet, I know that they're going to get like this flood of comments being like, you should try carnivore. But I'm telling them like, no, no, join our group. It's fine. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not like mean about it. We're just passionate about it. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that the kind of walking into, you know, the, the cons of carnivore as someone who has SIRS, for one thing, the keto macros so ketogenic macros meaning um typically it's like 80 percent fat 20 percent protein and that's a percentage of your calories that you're eating per day um they're therapeutic and they're very heralded in the carnivore community as the thing to do you'll see trends where people do high protein and stuff but generally keto macros and it they are great. They are therapeutic. They've been shown to reduce count- cancer cell sizes. They've been shown they've been used to treat epilepsy since Greek times just to bring back in the ancient Greek medical knowledge for you guys. The thing with SIRS though is that so many of us do have hypometabolism and it's very very difficult for us to produce energy in that environment that it can be more fatiguing than if you were to do like I have done carnivore plus a small amount of low amylose carbs every day. Yeah, that might be the way to go for a lot of people. And I will also say that we have some people who really want to do carnivore and really try and they try over and over again, but it makes them feel awful. And they do, it does tend to happen, especially with those dealing with the mast cell activation syndrome or histamine issues. They can't handle all of that meat. They need to have other things in their diet. So as much as carnivore is the least inflammatory way of eating, most likely for most people, it might not be the case for you. And that's where, again, going with that like elimination diet, I mean, JC, I, I remember at one point, you, I think at least for a month, you were just eating brats right? Like that was it. That's all you could eat. (laughs) Yeah. So when I, when I first started getting really sick with the autoimmune symptoms, I was having terrible GI issues, like very urgent, sudden need for diarrhea, like every 30 minutes, almost on the clock. So eat. And then every 30 minutes, it was awful. I couldn't plan my, I couldn't go anywhere. I was like stuck to the bathroom for that period of time. 
the only thing I could eat that wouldn't make me have that extreme GI reaction was bratwurst. And that's like not even like a good clean carnivore food uh, by like most carnivore, you know, extremist standards. But it was the only thing I could eat. And it was the only thing that made me feel like, I'm not even going to say, okay, like not as bad. Right. And so in that moment, even though that food was imperfect, it was the perfect food for me in that moment. Right. And you wouldn't have known unless you had tried it and it just, it worked for you and then you just kept doing it. So that's where, you know, desperate times will, will lead you to just going with one singular food for a, you know, amount of time to get away from that kind of reaction. So we all need to kind of figure out what that is and it's going to be different. Unfortunately, it's going to be different for everyone. And that's where you have to lean into knowing yourself, tuning into your body, doing things slow and systematically so that you know what is actually affecting you right now because you've only eaten one certain thing for the last several days, for example. Um, so yeah, that's, but, but don't lose heart if you can't live up to the carnivore standard I, I don't fault you for that. I know JC doesn't. No, we, we don't, there's no judgment there. We want you to find what works best for you and supports your body so that you can feel as, as good as you can while obviously still dealing with SIRS and waiting for the treatment to take effect. And just to help anyone who's like, oh, it feels overwhelming. I don't know where to start. I'm reacting to everything. Biofeedback is such an amazing tool. And it's so hard when you're chronically sick and you're getting so much biofeedback about everything all the time. But for me, I just had this intense craving for bratwurst. And I just listened to that. And then lo and behold, it was this awesome thing for me. My tagline for carnivore for a very long time has been eat the meat you like, can afford, and makes you feel your best. And I really think that, you know, if you distill carnivore down to its essential foundational concept in terms of like where it started and how it can help you the most. It's that eating the meat you like can afford and makes you feel your best. Yep. Love it. So for those wanting to experiment with carnivore and low amylose carbs, like I did, and again, the low amylose carbs are just for the energy production to help with the hypometabolism issues. Um, one thing you can do if you are worried about those carbs spiking insulin, which is, you know, inflammatory. And that's why they recommend low amylose carbs is so that you don't have the insulin spikes, which cause inflammation over time. If you want more inflammation control, one thing you can do is structure your meals so that you're eating protein, then fat, then carbs. When you eat that way, it reduces the insulin spike by 25%. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, better than nothing. Yeah. Um, so those are some strategies you can use. Those are some strategies that uh, we've seen in our group or that we've used ourselves. I did a bunch of different experiments with carnivore and carbs, um, and I've shared about that in the group if you're interested um, in learning about carnivore plus croissant. Um, that's definitely been a thing in my life for a while now. Uh, but the last piece we really should talk about and the piece I think most people are most interested in is the annoying fat gain that can happen with SIRS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a hard one to deal with because um, it's your body most of the time for most people does not want to let go of fat while you're sick. 
because not only is it potentially uh, a way to make your symptoms worse and make and kick up all of the toxins in your body, it's just you're in survival mode and your body's not going to be like, let's get skinny. Like that's just not what it's going to want to do. And, and so the really, you know, the TLDR of what we're about to talk about is like, you got to heal first and you got to fully focus on health and, uh, and healing before even thinking about whatever your body goals are and what you want to do in that realm. As annoying as it is to hear, and I would have been annoyed if you had told me that before, you know, healing mm -hmm. from SIRS, it is ultimately the most efficient way to achieve your weight loss goals. Because if you try losing the weight and you're trying to heal, it's kind of like you're kind of half doing both. And it feels like you're pushing so hard to lose the weight. But in my experience, what happened was like I was trying so hard to lose the stubborn body fat that I had gained from having SIRS, trying so hard, trying so hard, trying so hard. Then I started healing and I stopped focusing on losing weight. And I remember there was I moved to Colorado in July. I at that point had stopped weighing myself because it was just depressing to see the scale go up every day. I moved to Colorado in July. That was like my safe space that I moved to. I was then on full dose of the binders for two months. And I weighed myself just as like a, I think I went to the doctor's office and they weighed me and I had lost 20 pounds. And I was like, oh, like I maybe should start paying attention to this because I don't want to lose too much weight too quickly um, for other reasons, like body dysmorphia reasons. But that's what I'm saying when I say like heal first and the weight takes care of itself. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing to, uh, to keep in mind and to hopefully motivate, motivate you guys to really focus on your healing as a, as a way to get to, uh, whatever your body goals are. And I say that because, um, building muscle is also going to be nearly impossible while you're dealing with SIRS. Like I have been, Thankfully, never totally sidelined when it comes to going to the gym and doing weightlifting. Um, but I have to say that given how long I've been at it, I should have seen more muscle growth in this time. But I know that it's due to SIRS. It's due to, you know, my testosterone and DHEA being really tanked. Like there's a lot of stuff going on there. So it's not just the fat gain and loss, but it's also unfortunately on the muscle side as well. So, you know, if you can handle going to the gym and weightlifting, keep at it. You know, you want to maintain what you have and resistance training is fantastic for so many reasons. Um, but, but know that your progress in that department may be slow as well until you heal. So just to talk about some of the things that are working against you in terms of losing weight, if you haven't healed or you haven't achieved a certain amount of healing yet, the number one thing we see and the something they test for when you get your initial SIRS blood work done is leptin resistance. So leptin is the satiety hung or yeah, it's the satiety hormone, that's what I meant to say, in our body. And so when leptin is released, it kind of tells our cells like, oh, like we're fed, we're happy, stop eating. But what happens when you have SIRS is we release those inflammatory proteins called cytokines and they attach to leptin receptors, which causes a lot of downstream impact with MSH. And like, if you want to nerd out about that with me sometime, let me know. But for the, like what the conversation we're having right now, it attaches to those leptin receptors. And so you aren't able to absorb the leptin when your cells are like, oh no, we're good. We're full. And so you just 
are constantly hungry or you're, you're constantly eating more than you need to because your body isn't giving you that biofeedback anymore. Yeah, it's a really dirty trick. And I think that's partly why it can be hard for people to fast. I mean, there's other reasons that are going into why one can't fast and that tie into some of the the other issues we were talking about with creating energy for yourself. But um, yeah, for me, I've, I've always really struggled with fasting, even intermittent fasting. I mean, I wake up and I'm pretty hungry and I want food relatively close to when I go to sleep. If I don't eat, you know, at least at a normal dinner time, I'll be hungry at like nine or 10 when I'm about to go to bed and that's even worse to eat then. So, um, so yeah, if you're struggling with any of that stuff, unfortunately it's kind of normal, especially with SIRS. The next one being hypometabolism, which we kind of already talked about, but essentially what happens is it becomes really difficult for your body to create energy in a lactic acid environment, which is traditionally during like HIIT cardio, but also for people who follow a ketogenic diet, it's if you're trying to use fat as energy. It's also more difficult for us to run gluconeogenesis, which is the process of converting protein into glucose. Your brain has to have glucose. Um, so while carbs are not essential because we can run this process, it's really difficult for people with SIRS. And that's why a lot of them can start to feel not only like the body fatigue, but the brain fatigue, especially if they are hypometabolic. Yeah. Your brain needs that uh, brain energy to function. So it'll just make all of the fun cognitive issues that most SIRS people deal with even worse if uh, the energy is not there for it. And then next being mobilizing fat stores, which you talked about a bit, your body doesn't feel safe, so it's not going to prioritize mobilizing fat stores. But also we know that toxins are stored in fat. So it's part of the reason why people with SIRS don't typically experience the quote unquote whoosh that other people experience when they start a new diet. They don't release a ton of body fat because that's where your toxins are stored. And if your body all of a sudden decided to release all of the toxins, it would flood your system and you would become catastrophically sick. Yeah. So all of those are good reasons why you would want to concentrate on healing and then just letting the weight kind of fall off more naturally. And again, I know how irritating it is to hear me say that. I'm annoyed, like my past self is annoyed with me right now. And I'm okay with that because I really want you to heal. I really want you to feel good in your body and then just let the natural processes take place. It'll make you feel even more good in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for more resources and uh, fun stuff within the group that you get from all the other members, not just us, join us over at thesersgroup.com. We'll see you there.